Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. And good afternoon, Tuesday edition of the Steve Jones Show, News Radio 1070 WKOK. Sean Carey here. Bob Buner also paying us a visit today. Hello, sir. Great to see you. Great to see you, Sean. Uh, you know, while we're waiting to st- for Steve to find his way to the Sunbury Motor Studio, we could talk about our favorite topic other than Penn State football, Penn State wrestling. That's right. Yeah, there's a couple of blanks that needed to be filled out that was announced earlier today, so we'll definitely uh, get to that very soon. By the way, you can subscribe to our Steve Jones Show podcast. It's on iTunes, Apple Podcast app, Google Play. Once our shows air live on WKOK, we drop them right to your smartphone and tablet. And you can also find three months of shows always archived on our website at WVLY at w, at stevejonesshow.com. Got to remember what station I'm yeah. at and what time of day. Gets pretty, gets to be pretty hectic. Stevejonesshow.com. Oh, that's uh, a great name for that uh, website. Yes. <laughs> Very, uh, you know how long it took us to come up with that name? Uh, it took a while. <laughs> end, endless board meetings with the boss. I know that. Right. Power lunch here and there. So, yeah. So, yeah, we got stevejonesshow.com. Check that out. And our Facebook page. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at uh, Steve Jones PSU. So, yeah, Penn State Wrestling. Some news came down today. At least we, we know what time the Penn State Ohio State dual meet's going to be coming up, I believe, what, early February? Uh, yeah, right? around February 2nd. Yep. I got that figured out, and Penn State Michigan is going to be the duel in the Jordan Center this year. That's right, and there's also a, a match of great local interest for Penn State and Bucknell fans as the Lions come down to Soika Pavilion to wrestle the Bucknell Bison on November 30th. Yeah, Friday night, so that's going to be perfect, and uh, that's uh, that's going to be... Uh What's well, going to be great for local wrestling? No Highly doubt attended. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's just say there'll be oh about six thousand fans in a arena that holds five thousand. Yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be a great scene uh, at Bucknell coming up. But man, end of next month already. It's getting closer. Yeah. So uh, we're we're going to be talking one of the great teams right now, not only in sports but in Major League Baseball. That's been creating such a great noise is the uh, Milwaukee Brewers. And we're going to be talking to uh, Gennaro Armas, who is a former Penn State football beat writer here in Central PA for the Associated Press. Uh, within the past year, he has relocated uh, to Wisconsin. He is still with AP, so he is all over the Brewers, Green Bay Packers, and of course, uh, as we get closer to the Penn State-Wisconsin game next month, we'll have uh, Gennaro back on the show. But barring any uh, Milwaukee Brewers media availability here within the next hour, we have him scheduled to join us uh, next hour. Oh, that'd be wonderful. 406. Yes, yeah, so we'll get his take on on the brew crew as now they're just hanging they're just waiting until friday night got to see who's on the agenda for their uh, next games 
So, yeah, they got the Dodgers advancing last night. A great night for Manny Machado. Hit a home run and a double. And I believe the stat that I saw, he was 1 of 12 going into yesterday's game. So he was definitely overdue to have a breakout performance. So the Dodgers have moved on. Houston moved on. And, yeah, getting back to uh, Boston and the Yankees last night. Wow, what a... What a blowout that was for the for the uh, Boston Red Sox, and they are now one yeah. game away. Uh, who is Steve Jones' favorite baseball team, by the way? Uh, it's definitely not the Pinstripes. That's the, you're confusing him with uh, the King. Right. Yes. You know. Well, it was uh, actually I was happy for Brock Holt last night. So, because obviously Brock played here for the Spikes, first player in the history of postseason baseball to have a cycle. Isn't that amazing, Steve, when you think about the history of Major League Baseball, that it took until 2018 for somebody in a playoff situation to actually hit for the cycle? Uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Sometimes it takes a while for something like that to happen. It's like, take, for example, like Shikolimi Broadcast, like all of a sudden out of yeah. nowhere, Mike, Mike Ferlazzo showed up. It's like, wow. Uh, so it's like, oh, stop laughing, Sean. <laughs> but yeah, that was quite the, uh, everything fell into place for Alex Cora last night, for sure. I, yeah. And I guess the burning question was with Aaron Boone, why it took him so long to get Severino out of the game. Oh, I don't know. You know what? You're at this time of the year. Um, I want to take you back to the the Pete Rose saga for a moment because I've often been asked about uh, why a guy that bets on his team why that's bad. And here's the reason why it's bad. All right, say for example, I have put money down on said game, and I've already used, and I think Rob Dibble would have been one of his relievers at that point. I've used Rob Dibble three consecutive days. There is no doubt that I have to give him today off. But I put money on the game. Well, now I'm using Rob Dibble to close the game because I need to win. And I don't mean need to win because I'm the manager of the Reds. I need to win because I need to make money. In the end, say, for example, what happens if you hit August and suddenly he's on the disabled list because of overuse? Part of what a manager has to do is you not only have to manage the situation, manage the game, but you have to manage a season, especially a 162-game season. Now what you're finding is that through shorter starting stints, more analytics, and more bullpen use, that you are finding bullpens at this time of the year that are fried. They are. I mean, the Braves' bullpen was fried against the Dodgers. I mean, they were just out of gas. And I think last night, for example, he was trying to think I'd get a little little bit more out of Severino, hoping he could save his bullpen a little bit. So that's probably one of the reasons why he did it. Conversely, what Nathan Avaldi did last night by going seven innings is he saved an entire bullpen. Right, gave them an extra day off. Or a guy like Kimbrel, for example, has only pitched one game in this series so far. So now you're going to have, you know, going into tonight, the Yankees bullpen is not wasted, you know, because Lance Lynn pitched some. He didn't pitch well, obviously, a tough night. But Lance Lynn pitched, Green pitched. So their availability tonight is iffy. Conversely, Alex Cora's got everybody available behind Rick Porcello because Avaldi gave him seven innings last night. And see, you've got to just not only manage a situation and manage a game, you have to manage a season 
and there's so much overuse of bullpens now because of the way the game is played that you hit this time of the year, and some of these guys are out of gas. Yeah, you know, Steve, the, the phrase, pitching a complete game, is hardly in baseball's lexicon anymore. No, it doesn't happen. But if you give seven, to me, seven is the modern version of doing that, where now you're into a pattern of, okay, I'm going to pitch somebody in the eighth and pitch somebody in the ninth. If you can give seven, that's what I think makes a number one a number one. Kershaw is going to give you – I mean, what Kershaw did for the Dodgers, he he won eight innings. But going eight innings, everybody got rest except for Jansen, who finished up. That's the big difference. When you can have a horse like that, that can go out and do that, the domino effect is tremendous. And, you know, the other part of that, Steve, is that if you get uh, someone that pitches you a strong seven or eight innings, you don't need your uh, ace closer to come out of the bullpen in the ninth inning then. You save him for when it's needed. Right. And see, Kimbrell hasn't pitched since game one. You're going into game four tonight. You know, I think, you know, yeah, like any closer, he's had his ups and downs, more ups than downs. But you'd rather roll the dice with him uh, being being out there to close out a game or a series. And I think that's, uh, you know, that's something that uh, uh, is is invaluable. And then, then there's Alex Bregman. Uh, I, think this, I thought this was funny yesterday. They are the defending World Series champions. They played nothing but day games in the division series with the Indians. He says, he said, what, you don't think we're ready for prime time? <laughs> <laughs> well, ratings-wise, maybe not. No. But it's going to be fun when we see um, the Brew crew and the Dodgers starting, I think, Friday. And we'll have to wait and see what the Yankees and Red Sox do tonight to see who go, which one goes on to face the yeah. other remaining teams. Yeah, we'll face Houston, yeah. So you got three of the four set. And the Brewers were in the National League Championship Series against the Dodgers. Now both teams have won so early, each one can set up the pitching exactly the way they want it, which is really important. Uh, the Astros can set up the pitching the way they want it, with Verlander going in Game 1, Cole in Game 2, Dallas Keuchel in 3, and do the same thing. Now, the Yankees and Red Sox might not be able to do that if they get to a Game 5, but if the Red Sox win tonight, they can do the same thing. Sale, then hey, David Price, and then yeah, <laughs> they can go with Avaldi and then Porcello. But you know, but they'd have to win tonight for that to fall into place. If not, then Sale has pitched Game Five. Yeah, they've got to save him as the ace in the hole if they have to go to that final game back in Boston. Right. Exactly. So they've got to do that. Um, last night, Drew Brees set a record, uh, most passing yards in the history of the NFL. With 39 more yards, I don't think people realize Trace McSorley is about to set the all-time passing record for yards here at Penn State. 39 more yards. That's about two passes for him, passes for him mm-hmm. in the regular in a regular game. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so that's where he is. He, uh, you know, you're talking about a program that's been in existence for 132 seasons, and he is on the verge. A passing uh, the yardage record at Penn State through the year. Now that's 
that's pretty cool. Uh, the fact that he's done that, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of hard to to stop the game and say here's the ball. You can't really do that. But I, I hope people realize because the second he does it, obviously, I'll mention it on the broadcast. But still, and whose record will he surpass? Christian Hackenberg. Not a bad one. And who is who is number three in the, that list now? Would there be a? I, I want to say it's. It could be Tony Saka. Wow. What about our co- uh, our quarterback from the 1994 season? Yeah, I mean, obviously he racked up a lot of yards, but remember that he missed a chunk of 92. Okay. Uh, because remember he was out, he, he hurt his hand preseason. John Saka started. And, and Tony was a four-year starter. And also there was a guy named Kajana Carter who did get a chunk of yardage also during that yeah, same right. time. Oh, yeah. He got, he got a lot of yards. In fact, what's interesting is that uh, a guy that preceded Kajana Carter I think is going to join us on the show on Friday. Wow. D- DJ Dozier. Well, there's a name out of the past. Well, it's homecoming weekend, DJ Dozier. By the way, we're also trying to work on getting Lisa Salters on the show as well because she is the Grand Marshal of the homecoming parade. Um, speaking of homecoming, uh, Sean, maybe you can answer this question. Maybe I can. Uh, were there any incidents at the Danville homecoming parade or game? Uh, I have not heard of any in regards to any uh, specific uh, Danville <laughs> High alum. Well, um, uh, I mean, did he? Did is it true he made an inspired speech to the troops? Well, uh, there, there was a, there was a report that uh, Suit Light was going to be in the locker room with the guys before heading out. Before, let know. me tell you something that you don't know, or both of you don't know. Scoop us. I was asked to be uh, the honorary captain for the Danville Ironmen on Friday night um, to go out for the coin toss with the team captains in recognition of the fact that uh, this is my 50, 61st year of watching Danville football. First game was 1957. I've wow. seen over 400 Danville games. And uh, unfortunately, I was in the hospital Friday afternoon and couldn't make it. So next homecoming, there will be an incident at the Danville homecoming. You'll read about it in the <laughs> newspaper. Very, very nice. So just, w- <laughs> what I plan to do is when the coin flip occurs, I'm taking the coin and running from the field. <laughs> and how many times did you try to break out Friday night to get to the game? Um, well, there was. I only had to be restrained, restrained uh, twice by Geisinger security. That's not bad. Yeah, it's not the record I've held. I That's, you know, my record is four times in one 24-hour period. So you're saying suit light replaced you? Yeah. Oh, who saw that coming? I sure didn't. Yeah. Wow. Neither did America. All right, we'll come <laughs> yeah. back with. <laughs> they were dealt a forced hand that they didn't expect, so they had to make a move. They were desperate. So. Yep. Uh, uh, Bob Buner's hospitalized. Won't be able to make it tonight. <laughs> a- anybody want to talk to the team? <laughs> I will. <laughs> okay. Well, not exactly the inspiration we're looking for, nope. but sure. Go okay. get. <laughs> I'll tell you, those speech classes all bright are paying off. All right, we'll come back with more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK. So, uh, how mad is uh, the suit at us right now? Good question. 
because he would not. Uh, I would not do the promo he wanted yesterday. He decided to make an assumption on when the Iowa game was going to kick off. Yeah, he had a gut uh, feeling. He has psychic the, powers. No, there are also several lines you could use about gut feeling. Uh, we got, um, <laughs> I go, who are you, Kreskin? Come on. We'll get to that when we get to it. I just don't think we're going to do that. Yeah. Steve, here's a question for Saturday. When is the homecoming parade? Six o'clock Friday night. Starts up by the IM building and works its way downtown, but it starts rolling at six. So there you go. We answer all questions all the time. Steve will be on board the 64 black Cadillac convertible going down College Avenue. Steve will not be in the homecoming party. <laughs> That's why I said that. Yeah. I was actually asked last year to be on a float, and I said I, I, I respectfully declined. I said, no, I don't think so. You mean yeah. the girls from Beta Theta Pi were not um, privileged to have you on their float? <laughs> uh, I just, I just said I, I'm not going to do it. Uh, it was very, very nice of them to ask. I but, think you should be the Grand Marshal some year. Well, at least Salters is this year. That's a good choice. Yeah, so. that's an, uh, a good second behind you. And we're trying to get Lisa on the show before the week is out. So. We think we'll be able to talk to her about something tomorrow to set something up. She appears to be free the next couple days. Ah. All right, so. <laughs> no giggle next Monday. <laughs> next Monday. All right. Gennaro Armas is going to join us at 406 today to talk about the Brewers and the Packers. He'll join us from Milwaukee. Today's show brought to you by Brewers Outlet. Excuse me. Today's show brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Key Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia on the Strip, Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf. Steve is there, Sean here, Bob Buner here as well. Uh, looking ahead to... to people oh, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Did I mention... Suit, uh, suits in a big meeting. Yeah. Did I mention that I have this wonderful <laughs> Ford Escape just bought from Sunbury Motors? Drives like a charm. In fact, when we came down in August to do the event at Front Street Station... You mentioned it that night. Yeah, and, you know, it's running like, oh, it's just beautiful. The guys over at uh, Sunbury Motors took excellent care of my wife and me, lined us up with this great Ford Escape. I asked them, could we put the Sunbury Motors studio in the back, and they said, there's plenty of room. (laughs) Yes, indeed. Yes. Steve, I wanted to talk about an interesting high school football game here in the Susquehanna Valley Friday night. 
And my comments are prompted by a story that appeared in yesterday's Philadelphia Inquirer about a local coach by the name of Henry Hynoski. Uh-huh. And um, the gist of the story in the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer was that here's this guy from Southern Columbia High School, University of Pittsburgh, played for the New York Giants, has a Super Bowl ring, has come back to the impoverished coal region and taken the downtrodden Shimokan Indians who haven't had a w- winning season this decade or so. And uh, they're now 4-3 and three on the season, and they're going to play Danville High School Friday night at uh, Shimokin. And, um, you know, there's new life in the coal regions and new life in this poor town of Shimokin. You know, it's kind of a, not a flattering piece ab- about the coal regions, but about Henry Hynoski with his incredible um, coaching background and football playing background. Now, the coach from Danville is the complete opposite of Hynoski. Jim Kaiser, a fabulous coach. Um, and and I can tell you over a three a three year period had the patience of a saint. No uh, question. Uh, yeah, for stop reasons laughing, of Sean. Yes, for reasons of well, one of the um, linemen who didn't play as much as one of the people would have hoped, uh, sitting in the parent section occasionally. But <laughs> Jim Kaiser is a wonderful coach. Had a great ten year record. But his coaching pedigree is he. Um, played midget football, played high school football. I don't believe he ever played college football. He uh, His claim to fame in coaching is he coached the Danville midget program, the, known as the T-Railers, to some success. Mm-hmm. And when Danville went through a series of coaching changes, some parents mentioned about this guy, Jim Kaiser, who had, you know, the kids loved and loved to play for, but you know, there was a lot of skepticism on the school board because he works at the uh, one of the Lewisburg federal penitentiaries, not connected with the school system, not like Henry Hynoski, who's now the dean of students at Shimokin. So you've got this incredible motion, uh, coaching matchup on the sidelines Friday night in Shimokin between a guy who was really revitalizing the Shimokin program with an incredible coaching pe- and playing pedigree against a guy who is a, a great coach but has no b- background as a football player. And Danville comes in 6-1, and one, is pretty high-flying right now. So it uh, should be a great game Friday night. Uh, I hope to be there, actually. So we'll see what happens between the, the legend, and he truly is, he's a Hynoski, is just one great individual person, very modest, and uh, he knows how to play football and he seems to know how to coach it. Which is great. Um, look, different different styles, different people, different ways. Uh, that you know, whatever works. Some people just know the game. It doesn't mean they were playing the game at the highest level, but they know the game. They now, also know how. They also know how to treat players. They also understand talent. They also know what people can do, what they can't do. And the part of that last part about what they can't do is just as important as anything else because. Part of the success of any play or group of players is knowing what people can't do, uh, and that you know it may, which then eliminates you from trying to make them do something they can't do. Sure. Now, here's one of the interesting questions that has come up uh, among local football aficionados, because you have uh, Hynoski, who was coached by a guy named Jim Roth, one of the finest 
uh, football uh, coaches in all of Pennsylvania high school. His record of the most state championships, etc., speaks for itself. So Hynoski coached there by Jim Roth at Southern, coached by Dave Wanstad at Pitt, and Tom Coughlin uh, with the New York Giants. Which of those three is the better coach? And a lot of money on uh, Jim Roth on Southern of those three coaches that Hynoski played for. Well, and part of it, too, is, you know what, you may be a great coach and not have a great record, but you actually are a great coach because you're doing more with less. Sure. And, and and look, we base everything on records all the time. But there's some people out there on every level, NFL, college, high school, that are really terrific coaches but don't have the record to show for it because they're doing much more with less. Well, just think of uh, Penn State recently when Bill O'Brien took a team that had been decimated in many ways by the NCAA, and they came out with a 7-6 and six, uh, record for the, those two seasons. You know, in the Penn State record well, book, that's not you know a what? great record. But in that circumstance, uh, it's one of the greatest records in Penn State, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yes and no on that. All right? I'll, I'll, and the, I'll give you the no in a second. Yes, Bill did a great job. Because he stepped in and did exactly what they needed and had the personality to do at the time. With everything swirling around, the way he was able to keep the program together, re-recruit everybody, he put a fun, exciting, pro-style system in on offense, which was terrific. And then, of course, they were plunging into sanctions. Now, he had the 8-4 and four team and the 7-6 and six team. All right? Look, that 8-4 and four team... That he inherited to be to be let's be, uh, nobody talks about this. I don't understand why nobody talks about this stuff. But I'll talk about it anyway. Sure, because I mean I was around it at the time. I know what's going on. Okay, before the sanctions hit and the door open for Silas Red to leave, Kyrie Fort to leave, Anthony Ferrer to leave, and so forth, my expectation was that that team would win the division title. You want to know why? Because in 2011, they should have won the division title until they got derailed by everything. Yeah, right in Penn, November. Penn State was in first place, first place in the division when everything hit. And Joe was relieved of his duties. Okay? And now everybody's scrambling around. And even despite that, they still almost beat Nebraska. To me, no issue Penn State beats Nebraska in that game. All right? And they just need to win one more game after that to clinch the division. It's because they lost two of their last three games. That's the, that's how they lost the division. That's how good that team was. They would have played in the first Big Ten championship game in 2011, I think, if, if things hadn't gone haywire. Bill inherited a team where he had made a strong decision on who's going to be the quarterback, Matt McGloin. Great move. He understood how to use his tight ends. Great move. Right? And Silas Red was going to be a central figure in what they were going to do. Well, then when everything hit, and now you've got people coming in trying to recruit your players, he had the kind of personality that was able to get the get people away from here, right? Keep the team together, and Mike Motti and Michael Zordich did obviously incredible things to keep them together, along with Fitz and and Bill O'Brien. And they went eight. It took them a couple games to get going. They should have beaten Virginia. They should have won the opener with Ohio University too. Would have, could have, should have. I mean, that probably was a ten and two team. And on top of that, got absolutely ripped off at Nebraska on the layman play at the goal line. 
I mean, how you how you make that call on replay, I'll never know. So you you probably you now the only team they were not better than in that twelve game stretch was Ohio State. Ohio State came in here, played a great game, beat them. Okay, I think I think that was Urban's first year. Okay, they went that that Ohio State team went eleven and zero. Joe Paterno did not leave the the cupboard bare. He did not leave the cupboard bare. They actually had players. Okay, guys that could play because they had actually recruited well, and people have never talked about that. Now, I think going seven and six the next year with a freshman quarterback, where now you're plunging yourself into the sanctions era. Okay, going seven and six and winning that game over Wisconsin on the last game of the season up there, where Hackenberg played great, Geno Lewis played great, uh, Ryan Kaiser had an interception in the end zone to end the game. Okay. That was that was to me that seven and six thing. Keeping the team together was an incredible coaching job. Okay, seven and six, including a quadruple overtime win over Michigan, where you're plunging into sanctions, was a great coaching job. But Joe Paterno did not leave that cupboard bare. Well, that's for sure, and I do. I mean that. I mean that. See, that's what people don't seem to grasp. People don't seem to grasp that. uh, Like he hadn't had a chance to recruit anybody, right? I mean, I mean, he really hadn't because he took the job in January. No, he, so he re- stepped in late, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he took the job of January 7th was his first day on the job. So he's able to at least get a month of the recruiting while still coaching the Patriots in the Super Bowl against the Giants as the offensive coordinator, so he was splitting his time. So Bill did a heck of a job, deserves a ton of credit, but for anybody to sit there and think that the cupboard was left bare and that he resurrected this whatever that team that team was going to win the division in 2011 i expected them until the sanctions hit to win the division in 2012 man seriously those were my expectations i thought they were that good right and then th- things got haywire still an incredible coaching job and the the record of 7 and 6 that second season for bill is not was, not great. indicative of the great no. job he did from start to finish Oh no, the seven and six thing I think was remarkable. Uh, I mean, I thought it was remarkable, especially beating Wisconsin at the end, because Wisconsin thought they were just going to walk in, cruise through that thing, and that was one of the. You want to talk about one of the great coaching jobs I've seen? Bill O'Brien and his staff. That game at Wisconsin absolutely outcoached and checked every box in that game against Wisconsin. And Gary Anderson's the first one to tell you. He said, "Look." They really, they really just. We didn't know what they were going to do next. And it was really brilliant the way they did it. And I was, and I, you mentioned the name that always brings a smile to my face. Some guy named Ryan Kaiser out of Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania, a walk-on in the great tradition of uh, walk-ons in Division One football, who just had a stellar senior year. And I remember that interception at right at the end of the game to really seal the victory for the Lions. What a yeah, great kid. The, it, in the end zone, picked yeah. it off. Uh, Penn State's not going to a bowl game. They're playing out the string. Wisconsin's playing for higher stakes. And guess what? You know, Penn State walked in there, Camp Randall, and just beat them. Hackenberg had a big day. Gina Lewis had a big day. Kaiser had a big day. Adam Brenneman had a big day. Brenneman had, I think it was a career day for Adam in that game out at Wisconsin. I mean, that's how well they played in that game. And you know the, the Wisconsin coaching staff. I mean, they were pretty blunt about it. Like everything that we tried to think of, they were two steps ahead of us. I mean, Bill coached a brilliant game 
that day. His play calling was incredible. I was thinking about that game on Sunday night, watching uh, the Houston team play uh, the Dallas Cowboys and Bill O'Brien on one side of the field, just coaching away. A pretty nice job he did. Again, no surprise. Well, it's, it's made a big difference to Bill to get Deshaun Watson. I mean, it's just oh made gosh. a big difference. And I, asked, I asked him about like certain things you do under center. I said, look, I said, I was talking to Bill in April, and I said, I said, what about all these quarterbacks? I said that play just in shotgun. And he says, ah, Jonesy. He says that's not. A, he says that's not as much of a big deal as people think. I can tell you, know, we can teach a guy to play under center. You know, to take a snap, drop back. He said, I know there's an art to dropping back and looking as you're doing it. He said, but we can teach them to do that. He said, we do a lot out of shotgun. He says, and and Bill told me, he says, I like a lot of the RPO concepts. He likes them a lot. Now, Watson took a real beating on Sunday night. I mean, Watson really did take a beating. But that was a big win for them to win at home like that, to win the game in overtime the way they did. It does not hurt that Hopkins is a big-time player at wide receiver. (laughs) Um, One of my goals in life, Steve, is to... Meet Bill O'Brien and buy him a beer and just say two words to him. Thank you. Well, Bill O'Brien would accept the beer. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to tell you right now, you would like Bill O'Brien personally so much. He is as down-to-earth, no airs, uh, you know, he'd then buy everybody else beers. Afterward, but I mean, believe me, when you get that opportunity, you're going to find out how much you really like. Because I personally like and respect Bill O'Brien a lot. Yeah, we. I uh, wish him I'm every thrill- success. I'm, I'm thrilled for every success he has. His wife Colleen's incredible. His son Michael's incredible. Obviously, I think the world of his son Jack, who went through a rough patch early in the year. So, uh, you know, it's uh, Penn State was lucky to have Bill O'Brien when they had Bill O'Brien. Talk about being the right person. At the right yeah. time, in the right place, and, and now they've got and now they've got James Franklin. That is exactly the right person they need at the right time, because I, because James Franklin is exactly what Penn State needs at this particular time. There's no getting around it. His positive attitude, how he recruits, the energy we've got, the 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 fact that you know how he thinks uh, when it comes to social media. Uh, how he relates to young student-athletes, how he understands the university mission. James Franklin is the right person at the right time just when Penn State needed him. They've always had, at this university, they always seem to have had, in the football program, for the most part, the right person at the right time. You know, For example, uh, you go all the way back. Hollenbach was the right person at the right time. Hugo Bestig was. Uh, Bob Higgins was. You know, Rip Engel was absolutely the right person at the right time. Joe Paterno, unquestionably, the right person at the right time. And then when they needed a Bill O'Brien, now and Tom Bradley, by the way, finished up in eleven, and yep. he couldn't have done a better job. I mean, really, Tommy did a great job. And then you got Bill O'Brien, absolutely right person, right style. Right personality, right time, and then exactly the kind of person you needed after that was a guy like James Franklin. They've got him. So I mean, that's they've always had the right person, the right time. And speaking of the right time, it's the right time to take a break. We'll come back with more in a moment as we continue on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors. Do new car prices scare you? Then you haven't been to Sunbury Motors Kia. Yeah. 
Sunbury Motors Kia takes the scariness out of new car shopping with 20 new 2018 Kias under 20 grand. They make it easy and affordable to own a new Kia. Choose from 2018 Kia Fortes, Souls, Rios, and Optimas. Kia is the home of America's best value. The 2019 Kia models will be rolling in, and Sunbury Motors Kia needs to move the 2018s now. All include Kia's 10-year, 100,000-mile limited powertrain warranty. New car shopping? Don't be scared. Come to Sunbury Motors Kia and choose from 20 new 2018 Kias under 20 grand. Sunbury Motors Kia on the Golden Strip in Hummel's Wharf and at sunburymotorskia.com. Tax and tax extra. Offer expire 1031.18. Restrictions apply. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see retailer or go to kia.com. Okay. Let me ask you guys a quick trivia question. Right, and I want, I want kind of interested to see what your answers are. Which team in Major League Baseball got more production from homegrown players in their system than any other, and which one had the least? This season? Yeah, this season. Which one had the most production from homegrown players, and then which team had the least production from homegrown players that went through the system. So the team that had the most, is it currently in the playoffs? No. I would say the St. Louis Cardinals for most production. They've they, got a they, great farm system. They're, they're first. They're number one. Oh, okay. And, and yep. in the second one, the worst uh, who, production? Who had the least? The New York Yankees. No, the Yankees are in the middle. Okay. As are the Red Sox. I mean, because look at the Yankees. I mean, look at the Yankees, for goodness sakes. Uh, Andujar, Torres, Judge, Sanchez, okay? Brett Gardner. Luke Voigt. I mean, well, no, Voigt's a trade. Yeah. Got him in a trade with St. St. Louis. St. Louis, there you go. Right? The Red Sox are the same way. The Red Sox, now, they don't have Pedroia, obviously, but, you know, so they have Pedroia, Bogarts, uh, Benintendi, Bradley, Vasquez last night. Bets, they're all homegrown players. You'd be shocked. You know who the least is? The Oakland A's. Wow. Now who's next to last? The Milwaukee Brewers. Well, we'll have We're to gonna... ask Gennaro about that. That's why I brought it up. Aha. Uh-huh. I mean, do you think I just sit here and do nothing all day? Well, there is a people that uh, a guy wearing a suit here in the state station thinks that. Yeah, don't look at me. Yeah, not me. <laughs> uh, we're with you, Steele, on that one. I mean, I mean, he's the only guy I know that shuts the door and argues with himself to make it seem like he's in a meeting. <laughs> we got to get, him, we gotta get him one of those GoPro cams. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, I think we can get Roger to pay for it. <laughs> Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.